You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is Brant McAdams. Brant, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thanks, man. I was, uh, I'm excited to have you because, uh, I, you know, we were chatting a little bit before I hit record. I love football. Um, you know, my family, my dad, my brother, I'll play in college and cousins, and it's kind of part of my DNA. So, um, you know, I met Brant, um, you know, physically I haven't met him, but we talked a few weeks ago on the phone. My son was attending a camp. He is a head coach at PLU down in Parkland uh, near Tacoma, Washington. It's been there about five years, but he called me because my son has all these major food allergy allergies and I was a little worried about sending him off and, you know, eating and all that. And he was super cool, reached out. And I always thought that, you know, I said, hey, that's really nice of him to do that. I asked him to come on. Um, so, Brent, why don't we kind of just get right into it? Uh, tell us a little bit about your history. Um, you know, you can be quick on it in terms of how long you've been in the, uh, the coaching world, um, where you started and kind of how you ended up at PLU. Yeah, no. Uh, so been coaching um, at the small college football level for and going on 17 years now um, played at this level. So you can add four to that, you know, so about 20, 21 years. And um, yeah, you know, coaching has always been something I've been around. I've been around sport. Um, I'm the son of a middle school football, basketball track coach. Um, and uh, my mom was a nurse. Um, so just kind of the I guess people business, right. You know, and, and service to a degree. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in college, I went into college going, all right, I'm, I'm either going to go to sports medicine. You know, I knew I wanted to be around sport, um, and, uh, or teaching and coaching. And, and then, you know, uh, in those four years kind of said, all right, you know, I want to do the coaching thing. And then, you know, as my senior year approached, I, I kind of, you know, had this reservation. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to, to be in a classroom, you know, in front of 20, 30 kids, um, calling me Mr. McAdams. I think I, I just want to do this football thing some more. And so I started putting out feelers, you know, asking, um, you know, my coaches, you know, their advice. And, you know, I, I sent resume and cover letter out to, you know, every, every place that posted for a graduate assistant, you know, places that didn't. Um, so, you know, just kind of being vulnerable and, and uh, putting yourself out there. And, um, you know, the one that came through was, was kind of a, a network connection. So uh, uh, D3 school in Redlands, California, you know, the, uh, we had actually played against each other, but our, uh, the two head coaches had known each other for a couple of decades, just kind of, you know, in the business and working on committees together. And so, you know, part of it was, was, you know, it's, I think a lot of it is right what you know, but also who you know, and and so that kind of helped um, create my first opportunity to get my my foot in the door, and then uh, yeah, I guess uh, four schools um, and 17 years later, um, uh, at a really good spot. Um, PLU is an awesome place, good people, um, you know, a desire to be excellent, you know, but also a desire to do it the right way. You know, academics first. You know, character is the thing that carries you through through any arena. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I guess the, the short of it. I love it. Just, and going back, you're, you're from Texas, right? Yeah. Is that kind of like Friday night light Texas or a different part of the state? 
Yeah, so uh, my dad was uh, grew up in Odessa, Texas, and that's where uh, you know the Permian High School, um, Odessa, uh, Friday Night Lights, kind of originated, I guess, or at least the the portrayal of it. But yeah, you can find that in in a lot of small towns, um, kind of throughout Texas, and and you know I think Texas has. Um, you know, they've it's something that they'll be able to to keep um, cultivating because, you know, uh, the coaches, the football coach is also the athletic director and in, at the majority of schools and school districts and, and even in the metropolitan areas, um, the head coach is the AD, the coordinators are, you know, one of them just works the weight room. The other one is the recruiting coordinator and they handle all the recruit recruiters that come through on a daily basis. And so it's a really unique setup. You know, it's obviously a priority that school districts, you know, invest in to do it that way. Um, but yeah, so, you know, but I've, I've also come to appreciate the, the communities, you know, football communities, um, uh, and all the places, you know, that I've been, you know, obviously, right, you know, Bellevue had a, a national presence, but you you see, you know, Eastside Catholic and Yelm in the state championship game this last year, you know, just just awesome football communities, um, you know, uh, Tom Boehner at Bothell, his son, Eric, uh, just graduated from PLU, was quarterback for us for the last four years and and watching kind of, you know, these uh, pockets, um, Spencer Crace, our offensive coordinator, coached at Sumner, um, you know, prior to coming to PLU and you know, Keith Ross, I mean, Sumner has a phenomenal little community. So, you know, yes, it's something that's unique in Texas, but I also think that it's something that, you know, you can find uh, anywhere in the country, you know, that you go look for it. Yeah, I love it. Just uh, real quick, what did you play? Oh, I was uh, uh, in high school. Uh, I was a, a DN linebacker and then I I was a linebacker my last two years of high school, went into college as a linebacker, but bigger, slower linebackers are are pretty okay defensive end. So I played defensive end my last three years um, in college. Okay, cool. I was telling you, I was just at PLU last weekend and one of my buddies, a guy named Kyle Andrews, I think he graduated in 97, played DN for PLU. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he was talking about the old glory days. But yeah. anyway, um, okay, so, you know, people are watching that are, you know, they're tuning in to the, the college football coach. Is this something that like, can you just get an, an any kind of grad degree do you want and then jump into coaching or do you actually have to get you know additional uh curriculum you know like a, a two-year degree yeah, um so yeah you know the no it's 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 uh almost exclusively an experience based um path if you will um right so like in soccer you can go get i, th I think you know a level one certification a level two certification i don't know exactly what they call them but um, you know, that's where it's, it's different and, and unique. And, you know, so to some degree, I think that is, uh, creates a little bit of a barrier for entry for people. Um, right. Cause I'll, I'll get people that'll reach out and say, Hey, I'm really interested in kind of getting my foot in the door at the college level. And, um, and so, you know, if, if the experience has, um, only been, um, you know, at the, high school level or maybe junior high level. And not to say that football is that much different at those levels. It's, it ends up being everything around the game, right? You know, so yeah, maybe the complexity of the X's and O's goes another level deeper. Um, but there's, you know, some uh, high school coaches that, um, right, if you've found a way to, to measure, you know, X and O knowledge and, and teachability, coachability, um, right, you know, there's, there's coaches at every level, I think that would excel. It's, 
it's the the whole deal, right? So it's, you know, at, at our level, right? Division three recruiting, you know, being a, a partner on campus with student life and admissions and advancement and, right, um, you know, knowing that, you know, this isn't a deal where we monopolize our players' time. We're actually trying to be, you know, as efficient as possible in meetings and practice to get them out to their education and their kind of co-curricular, extracurricular experiences on campus. So, um, so yeah, so to, to come back and, and answer the question, uh, no, it's not a deal where it's like, oh, I'm certified to be a small college or a college football coach. It's uh, it's an experience deal. And so any, any you know, young person that says, all right, I want to get into coaching, um, I would say play, play the game as long as you can, you know, right? You got the opportunity to to maybe walk on at a larger school um, or go play, you know, and, and get on the field at a, a smaller school go where you can play and play as long as you possibly can. And then, you know, so once they're done playing, right, then just get get in the door however you can. And obviously, as a younger person, you're you're either going to have, you know, uh, a little more bandwidth to, to live off of very little or, right, have some sort of additional support system that can kind of carry you through those uh, early years of just getting experience, being in the office, being on the field, you know, doing, you know, whatever in the back room. Um, and I'd say for the older person that's, um, you know, looking to make a shift, you know, from one career into coaching, right? I think, you know, somehow finding a way to to set it up so that you can get that experience. So maybe that's the volunteering. So you're only doing it on a part-time, you know, unpaid basis, but you're just trying to get the experience. Um, I've had a couple of coaches in, in my five years here at PLU that, that that's been their path. Some, you know, it didn't stick, some it did. And, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, experiences is um, the most important thing you can, you can find a way to get. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, okay, so playing, take the person who's playing, they love the sport. It's part of who they are. It's who they identify with. I would imagine though, that does, that doesn't always translate into being a good coach, especially a head coach with all the responsibility you have. What are some of the things that like you've seen, like you've hired coaches, you're talking about Hillary, who's on your staff, who was a really uh, exceptional player at university of Washington when I was there. What are some of the things you look for other than just knowledge, like the X's and O's? Is it a likability? Is it, a, you know, a relating to the kids? Like if someone's kind of interested in this from a head coach perspective, what are you looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm looking for, I think, you know, the uh I, there's plenty of professions out there that you know someone would answer this way right but ego is a big thing um and you know macho you know college football and so people that can put their ego aside you know for the sake of the team and i think really good players or or player leaders you know demonstrate that that hey they can put their ego aside and so um right you know hillary um right played on uh you know a, a national championship um you know super bowl championship um teams and and that was one of the things we talked about is you know he talked about you know the the reason those teams were successful is because they had people you know with strong egos but but they had them in check you know so they could be a big you know powerful personality but also you know step into the first follower role when someone else you know kind of assumed the leadership role and so um you know i think that's important you know in any team setting um i think uh you know like you said you kind of said likability but communicability you know being able to connect um you know i've had coaches that um right you know they they come across really 
really uh, hard sometimes. And then just, you know, reminding them, hey, you know, um, that, you know, demanding excellence and being hard on them is going to get what we want out of these kids. But but to keep them around, especially this generation, you've got to be able to connect. And so, you know, show them that you're a human, you know, uh, share about yourself and and build a a real, you know, kind of human connection and, and genuine relationship. Um, it's a cliche, but they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, um, I think you can find that at, at every level, the right and wrong way to do it, where, you know, I think the wrong way to do it is is uh, transactional, right? If it's just strictly business, you know, um, which you, you kind of have to do it, right? The Maybe the NFL or, or even, you know, Power Five um, college football. But um, I think even in those settings, you find people that do it, I think the right way, which is the way that that is a lasting um, kind of the transformational um, uh, approach where, yeah, there's a there's a transactional side of this that has to happen. But right, I think, you know, so many people would say the relationships and the, the connections and the memories made are um, right, the, the most powerful piece of it. So again, kind of bringing it back and, and being concise, you know, uh, a combination of ego and humility, um, the ability to, to, to coach and teach um, and, and the willingness to connect and let them see you be human. I think one of the strongest things leaders can do is, is just, you know, Hey, I messed up. Right. You know, right. That, uh, that was a terrible call on fourth and one. I, 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 decided to go for a fake field goal when our offense was moving the ball down the field and, and they deserved the opportunity to just run the ball for first down on fourth and one, you know? And so I think um, those are powerful things that I look for in, in coaches outside of just X's and O's knowledge. Yeah. A um, lot of stuff there. I, you know, I I'm thinking kind of listening to you and I've always thought, okay, this is a high pressure job and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my assumption is, you know, if you lose enough times in a row, uh, things can get a little nerve wracking. Right. Um, and so I would think as a coach, there's a, there's a period of kind of nervous, you know, you're trying to prove yourself and then there's a time where you experience success and then you kind of are able to kind of, uh, get into your unique style. Like you kind of become more uh, I, I'm having a hard time articulating this, but you, you, you kind of just are who you are. Like in the beginning, you might kind of play a game or you're someone else because you're fearful of just impressions and starting the season off with a winning record. But then is that, is that accurate? Like in your own experience, can you think of a time where you just kind of said, I've got this and I'm going to do it my way um, and it's going to work. And if it's not, oh, well. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the, the what you're talking about at the beginning is, you know, you maybe spend so much time trying to survey the landscape and kind of assess the situation that that, yeah, you use a lot of energy kind of taking in, okay, what, you know, what's going to work here? What's, you know, how do I connect? How do I, you know, command? Um, and then, yeah, at a certain point, you go, no, I, I know the landscape, right? I, I know the job, but I also know, you know, where I'm at and who I'm with. And and then you can really kind of cut loose and, and be yourself. Um, and yeah, you know, I think um, it's one of those things that um, I think there's some really successful coaches that that I think um, maybe leave a lot to be desired and, and leave opportunity for transformational impact on the table. And I think there's some coaches who make a, a, an enormous difference in the lives of their their coaches and their student athletes and their communities that maybe don't win very much. And so. 
Um, but you know, saying that, yeah, I mean, as soon as you win, um, uh, a little bit, or you kind of, um, eclipse and, and get into, um, maybe another level of on-field success that, um, yeah, it lets you breathe a little bit easier. Um, you know, one of the things I've loved about the division three level is, um, there is, you know, more emphasis on just developing the whole person than just winning, you know, for the sake of, you know, right, free marketing and and promotion and elevating school spirit. Um, I think any coach that does it right, um, they're always going to be their own worst critic and the hardest on themselves. But I think the ones that last are the ones that know how to be hard on themselves and give themselves a lot of grace, um, knowing, you know, that they're doing everything they can, that they're, you know, um, attacking the process and keeping the perspective of, you know, it's bigger than a game, um, you know, in mind while wanting to win, you know, uh, as bad as the next person. Yeah. So let's just say you're talking to someone coming out, played college. They're pretty darn sure they want to be a, a coach. Um, give them a glimpse into some of the harder things about coaching that they may not, you know, I don't know, maybe it's recruiting, maybe it's the politics of dealing with universities and administration like what, what surprised you and what are maybe two or three things that people should know about before they get into this um yeah you know i think uh no matter what industry or or career you go into you have to know how to sell um and because you're either selling yourself, you're selling a product, you're selling, right? And then in recruiting, right? You're selling this, this university, this uh, education, this experience, this investment, um, you know, in, in their future and their development. And, and so then you're, you're, you know, so I think selling is uh, really, really important, or I guess to kind of go back of what maybe I was kind of like, oh, wow. And that was one of the first things when um, Mike Maynard, the head coach at Redlands picked me up from the airport, as soon as I landed, um, you know, in May of, uh, I graduated on a Saturday and I landed in Redlands on a Monday and, and he said, Brant, the most important thing you'll do here is, is recruit, you know? And, um, and so I think that that's, uh, something that, that, right. If, if any sales job will, will be great. And then I think the other one is, um, the service industry, you know, if you can uh, have already had a job waiting tables or, you know, just dealing with the general population and you're going to get people that are incredibly, gracious and and appreciative and you're going to get people that aren't on their best day and and you know um and then learning how to deal with um both sides um you know particularly the downside and being able to handle that with patience and grace is is what um maybe extends a little more room for connection because you know in a in a, a sport where you're spending six to seven days a week with you know your coworkers and your players um, right. And, you know, not everybody's going to have a, a great day every day. And so being able to to um, be able to weather that, I think, is is important. And uh, so I may have lost track of of the question, but I think that those are two things that I look back on and go, oh, that that definitely um, was important. And or maybe I was prepared for that and I didn't know I was or I wasn't prepared for that. And and I wished I had been. Yeah. So like recruiting players, recruiting their parents, right? Like, I mean, you're not recruiting the parents, but you know, they're part of the decision recruiting staff. Like, are you saying that's one of the harder things or maybe one of the components that differentiate successful coaches with coaches that maybe aren't as successful? Um, in terms of recruiting, um, 
Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's another. Um, and so I think alignment is something that's really important um, in an institution or an organization. And and this is one of the things that as, you know, getting into an entry level position, I don't think is really as important. But um, definitely, as you're looking at, you know, um, positions where you can see yourself for a while, one of the tours I gave as a GA, you know, my first couple of years coaching um, was the a family, you know, we were recruiting the kid and, and the dad was a former head football coach. And I think it's Southern Oregon. And, um, and he had coached with the head coach that I played for, you know, small world connection. And he said, you know, you know, he said, you know, college football coaches like to think they win national championships, but college presidents do. And so, um, you know, I think alignment is, uh, something that's really, really important in the institution because when it's not in alignment, you can be the best recruiter in the world and something else is going to be a major obstacle that's going to hold you back or hold your program back from from being as successful as as um you want and so you know i think any right any uh, every national championship coach in any sport right if they're not giving credit to right the administration the the parents the fans it, it takes a village right and and so i think that um that's something that's really important. So I guess kind of answering your question, um, yes and no, right? I think recruiting matters, but it's it's not the only thing that matters when you're looking at the final product. Um, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, what about, let's kind of talk a little bit about your your day, your week, your night, Monday morning, Thursday night, Sunday afternoon. Like, you know, you said six to seven days a week. Like, is this, I mean, is this a job where there is a balance for personal and work? Uh, yes, but you have to be really, really intentional about it. And so the place I was at, um, you know, Trinity in San Antonio, the current head coach, Jeremy Urban, played in the NFL for nine years after being a Division Three standout, you know, five-team All-American, captain on a national finalist team. And you know, he was a senior my freshman year. So I got to um, watch him be a leader as a player. And then I got to watch him be, you know, a leader as a coach. Cause as soon as his career was done in the NFL, he got right into coaching at the division three level. And, and he does, a, I mean, Trinity is back into being a, a playoff contender now. Um, and so, uh, had the chance to coach with him and, you know, kind of getting into it, you know, the com, you know, a, a relatively common practice in, you know, football, any level, you know, high school, college, um, but definitely like, you know, D1 college and NFL, right? These coaches are, I mean, they're living at the office, you know, at times. John Gruden had a book where pretty much, you know, the short of it was like his success comes from the fact that he doesn't need a lot of sleep. And um, one of my college teammates was a, a, a linebacker coach for the Vikings. And, um, you know, I got to see him when the Vikings came out to play Seattle and I said, you know, so what are you doing when you get back home? And he said, well, we'll land at this time. I'll probably sleep at the office and be up and and working, you know, at whatever time the next day. And so, um, you know, to to balance, you have to be intentional. Um, I've been at places where you were in the office for 10 hours on a Sunday, you know, recapping the previous game, you know, uh, studying up on the next opponent, putting the plan together. And at Trinity, um, I'm fortunate to have worked for a guy that, uh was you know could think outside of the box and and 
Uh, we didn't come in the office on Sundays, right? You know, the world we live in, you know, so much can be online, you know, all of our films online. So you can get all of that done and make it kind of fit your unique family schedule. So you can prioritize faith, you can prioritize family and still get the job done. And, and then we moved to being a morning practice team. So, you know, as a coordinator um, and we had been, you know, we were being successful. I was able to leave the office at four o'clock you know, uh, in the afternoon, I, I could eat dinner with my kids three days a week um, in the fall. And as a head coach, to be able to do the same thing um, is pretty unique. And so you have to be really intentional, really passionate about balance and, and not, you know, um, right, you know, Facebook ads, you know, they hear what you talk about or see what you click on and, and you get the advertisement. One year I got an advertisement on Facebook that said it was a T-shirt that said football widow. And it was like a coach's wife thing. And I was I was pretty disgusted by it because it's like, no, no, my wife doesn't need to be a single mom, you know, for four months of the year. Um, yeah, you know, we can all do better. And so, you know, yeah, we don't come in the office on Sundays. Um, we're a morning practice team so that, you know, our kids can can get more in their college experience because nobody is hanging out. Uh, in the dorms at 7 a.m. on a on a Tuesday. Nobody's having a study session at 8 a.m. on a Wednesday, you know, so we get the football done by 9 a.m. And um, and our players and our coaches can can have some balance. Yeah, that's does it change when the season's over? Is it a totally different world or, or is it just different responsibilities? Uh, when the season's over, it's a lot of recruiting, you know, still kind of some academic follow up, um, you know, uh, prep for kind of summer camps and um, you're finishing one recruiting cycle while you're starting the next one. So, you know, recruiting is kind of a 14 month calendar. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And then like the lifestyle and experience that you, you have as a coach, tell me if I'm off on this, but like, it might be very different based on the university that you choose or even D three versus D one. I mean, there's different levels of experiences based off of the institution you're with. Or the maybe the head coach sets the the vibe, right? And 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 everything revolves around him or her, right? Um, is that accurate? Yeah, I, I mean, by level of of uh, division, definitely it's going to be different. And then within each division, yeah, it's going to be um, institutional, right? You know, um, there's division three schools that have a quota, like they put a quota on their sports teams, particularly their their male sports and say, you need to bring in 60 football players a year. And if that's the case, my leadership style is going to be very different, you know, uh, in recruiting. And we're just going to go get mass numbers as opposed to um, that's not the case at PLU. They care more about recruiting and retaining the right type of student and student athlete. And, and so we get to be more selective and go a little slower in the process to make sure we're, we're yielding the right type of student athlete. So as a D3 coach, is it, do you just, I don't know how else to say this, but do you just not go after five star or four star? I mean, do you, is it, is it, is it an understanding that these players are going to go D one or so do you just kind of find what your, you know, your niche is and go after that? Yeah. You know, we're fortunate that the division one process, you know, starts a lot earlier than ours. And so, right. You know, if a kid's already got a power five offer, um, Yep. You know, that's the, you know, if they've only got one and it's like a fringe one, you might, you know, still pay attention and see where they go. Um, you know, but if they've got multiple, it's like, nope, 
not even close. Um, you know, now if they've got um, D2 NAIA, you know, type interest, yeah, that's a kid that we we would have an opportunity. And so, but yeah, the the five star, the four star, you know, whatever, however many stars, as soon as they have the opportunity to have their full college paid for um, by a division one institution, it's, it doesn't matter how much value we can add. Like that's, that's a legitimate, you know, life changer. Right. And, uh, you know, so, um, now we, you know, at the division three level or even just the small college level in general, there are some, you know, pockets, some, um, I don't know what you call it, but, um, you know, where their grades and their financial need, you know, they get, almost all of college paid for um, that can still happen at our level, but you know, it's still not going to um, compete with, you know, division one full rides. Yeah, no, I was, my wife was saying we we're, when we were watching our son play lacrosse, she said, I think right under 50 K is what PLU tuition is. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, the tuition's in the forties and then room and board, right. Another 12 or so. Yeah. So, I mean, these small colleges are touching 60 grand, you know, some of them are touching 70 grand in tuition, room and board. Now, PLU also, um, the average financial aid package is 40 grand, you know, and so, um, right. And that immediately like chops it down and makes it, you know, and it, it has a chance now to compete with the state schools, you know, in your region and, um, PLU is an access school. So again, this goes back to the institutional, you know, deal where, like we're going to give competitive financial aid and there's, um, uh, you know, private liberal arts division three schools that are not going to um, compete, you know, in that way. They're going to, you know, go after the, you know, um, higher uh, socioeconomic, you know, because they can afford it more. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's it's such a, a vast a landscape. You know, it's one of the things I talked to prospects and their families about early on is, hey, this is there's a lot to take in. And so just get comfortable asking really good questions until you really start to get a feel, oh, you know, this school is this, and this is, you know, what they hang their hat on academically and athletically. And, and, and then to go through the process with all of those that are interesting, because the, the financial aid and and scholarship money that comes back is going to be very different. So, yeah. So I, and I know this, I was thinking about how to word this question because Obviously, you're loyal to PLU. You know, people will watch this podcast. Um, but I guess the question is about you always see coaches kind of changing or moving up the ladder, if you will, like to a bigger school and a bigger opportunity. Is it, I mean, that's not every coach, right? Some coaches right. find a home, a community that they just love and they want to call it home forever. Yeah. Um, like for you, I, I know you've been at PLU for five years, you've been coaching and playing, I think 17 or 21 years, like is your style just to find the right home or do you have an appetite to up your game and get to a, you know, a D one or a more higher level, like maybe university of Washington? Um, I would, uh, yeah, my short answer is no, I, I don't network like you would need to network to jump from D three to D one. Um, I love the balance that I've got here. And I know that, you know, that control gets taken out of my hands as soon as, you know, uh, I would make, you know, uh, if I ever made that jump, um, you know, one of the things I joked with, uh, one of my, you know, uh, coaching peers or colleagues at Trinity was, it was going to be hard to leave Trinity because we had it so good, you know, and it all aligned with our values, our, 
you know, priorities. And, and the only way we would ever leave is if we could run it somewhere else, the, you know, the way we were doing it at Trinity. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't have any desire, you know, my kids are 11 and seven, you know, for the next 11 years, right. You know, I've got one of them in the house and I don't want to miss those opportunities. And, and I know that it comes at more of a sacrifice, you know, I'm sure the money, um, right. You know, at, at a higher level, um, but you look at, you know, again, you know, uh, our camp, right. O'Day, Monty Kohler has been at O'Day for like 35 years, right. You know, that's a good football coach that, that could probably go coach, you know, in a lot of places, Tom Boehner at Bothell, he's like, that's a good football coach. They could go coach at a lot of places. They've, they've found their home and, um, yeah. And, and we love this part of the country. Um, I love PLU. There's some amazing people here that, you know, um, have been here for a while. You know, our Dean of Students has been here for almost 30 years. Our, um, we have a senior advancement officer that graduated from PLU in like 76 and, and has never left, has been in, you know, res life, alumni, and now advancement, you know, um, obviously, right, they, they have to retire at some point. But yeah, it's a place where I, I think uh, people go, okay, yeah, this is the right mix of values and priorities uh, between education, access, you know, so that it's not, you know, only for a small population. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of the care and, and how we provide, you know, whatever side of the, the university um, that we're in. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, you know, so as a coach, the head coach, which you are, you know, if someone's watching this, maybe they're like, I don't know if I'm a head coach. Uh, I don't know if I'm even a coach. Can you talk to about like other types of, you know, you know, scouting, recruiting film? I mean, the different roles that might be available to somebody, you know, maybe someone's an introvert, maybe they're not really good at selling themselves or communicating with, you know, uh, parents or faculty and administration. What are some of the other opportunities that might you know, be available to somebody in the coaching football coaching world. Yeah. I, you know, so this was uh, something that kind of came to light um, or, or was kind of explaining it a different way. When I took the job, I, I had been told that, you know, as a, you know, from an assistant to being the head coach, you go from about 80% of your job is football, 20% of it is other stuff, you know, uh, recruiting some administrative stuff to then being flipped 80% is administrative and 20% is football. And, and that was very much the case, um, right? So someone who just loves thriving in the technical side of their job, um, right? Maybe isn't, you know, head coach isn't the, the path, you know, for them. Um, but to create the opportunity to get into that head coach role, you have to go through the technical proficiency. So you got to be really good at the, you know, the skill of coaching. And, um, and then, yeah, you know, I've got a coach on staff that, um, he's a phenomenal technician. And, um, and every time I get up and speak in front of people or, or actually we, I asked him and, and he, he stepped up to it and, and spoke in front of the team this, uh, this last fall. Um, but he hates it. He, that is not his vibe. He's an introvert. He's like, Nope, I just want my position room with my eight guys or, you know, or whatever his position room size is. And, those are my dudes, you know, we're a part of this thing, let's go do it. And, uh, and so yeah, you know, I think um, being able to answer that question, honestly, I, I don't know that. Um, yeah, maybe had I had the insight, I maybe would have uh, not balked, but maybe questioned, you know, this move more than I did. I, I just knew I was eager to, to get an opportunity at a place like PLU, you know, 
um, stepping into a program with a really strong history um, and, you know, in a rich tradition. And it wasn't a bottom dweller. It was in the middle of the pack and and occasionally would compete with, you know, the, the top dog or two or three in the conference. Um, so I knew I was, you know, had the opportunity to step into a, a place that was uh, relatively competitive and had been very, very competitive. So, um, but all of these gray hairs, I didn't have any of these uh, before I took the job five years ago. You look at my, uh, I'm going to see if I can do this. All right, there's my little profile. And those are all brown hairs, man. And, uh, you know, so I think leadership, uh, it'll it'll challenge you. It'll stress you, you know, based on whatever kind of your stress level, uh, how, you know, what you can handle. And, um, but at the end of the day, when you stop and look back on it and go, okay, you know, did I leave it in a better place than I found it? You know, I, I think so uh, in some ways and, and, you know, have had a chance to forge some, some awesome relationships with people that if, you know, college football just came out and said, we're done, no more college football anywhere in the country, I could go, man, that that was awesome. I, I loved what I did. But I also think because I approach it, and certain coaches approach it um, as, you know, it's, uh, it's when COVID happened. So I'm sorry, I'm going to tangent here. When COVID happened, right, the game was taken away from us. But you know, what we're here to do. And this is the transformational piece. If you can go, oh, I'm, you know, um, I'm here to lead student athletes with love, preparing them to pursue excellence as a team, take responsibility, persistent commitment, enjoy the journey and never stop growing. I choose to do that through football because I think it's the greatest, you know, sport in the world. But if it came down to it and I didn't have the chance to do that in football, I would try to do that in, an, you know, in another sport or even in another uh, arena, right? And so, um yeah, I think that that's uh, something that's, you know, important to, I guess, kind of take into consideration when you're looking to step into leadership positions is is understand, you know, that nothing's guaranteed, right? Um, it's a economics and, and I think like military operations term, uh, VUCA, volatile, uncertain, uh, complex and ambiguous or something like that. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, especially the world we live in, you know, technology changing things at this, you know, rate that it does, you got to you got to be able to step back and right um, while you're in it at the beginning, just get really good technically. And then when you start to get into the, you know, managing more conceptually, yeah, understand, you know, what translates between, you know, a game and a career and a life. Yeah. And also you have a family and you have to also be on board. They have to be on board with this ride, this, this lifestyle uh, too. So like if you, you, you're not in sync with say your partner or your wife or your husband or whatever, that could be a difficult journey as well. Yeah. My wife and I dated uh, for three years in college. And so when this opportunity popped up, I said, you know, uh, moving from Texas to California, Hey, you know, this is, this is my best opportunity. You know, I'm, I, this is what I want to do. I'd love for you to, you know, kind of come with me on this ride. And, and I said, you know, you know, knowing that that was the case, I said, you know, I, I gave kind of the preface like, Hey, early on, there's gonna be a lot of hours. I'm the low man on the totem pole. And, and she was kind of like, are you talking me out of going with you? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to set this up for success so that, you know, when it does get hard and frustrating, you know, that I've, I'm at the office from 7 a.m. till midnight, you know, in July at, at the football camp we're running because I'm the guy that's got to be there before everybody shows up and close it down after everybody leaves. 
um, that you've at least, you know, we've at least had the conversation once. And so, uh, and then to some degree, uh, you know, fall camp in August, uh, it can be a little bit like childbirth, you know, we've gone through it um, 16 times now, but there's going to be a day in August where my wife is like, really, you're, you're gone till this time again. And it's like, yep, every, every August, babe. And, uh, and so, yeah, but I think just being upfront about it, talking about the challenges, talking about whether or not it's worth it. Um, there were, uh, I can probably point to two times in my career where I wasn't getting paid very well. I was loving what I was doing. Um, but we were kind of at that point in our our relationship wanting to start a family. And it was like, okay, um, do I need to give this up and get into something that will provide a little better? Um, you know, I can get it right. I've, I've got experience doing sales. I can I, let me, I'll jump into sales if that'll provide better. And, and, and I genuinely, if that's what we needed to do, that, that's what I would have done. Um, but I'm fortunate to, you know, have, uh, to be married to someone who said, I'd rather you be um, grumpy, you know, two days a month around payday and, you know, happy and in love with your job the other 28 days than it be vice versa. You know, you'd be un unhappy 28 days, but then happy the two days around seeing your paycheck. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a critical conversation to have. Yeah, I think this is the stuff I'm trying to uncover, which you're doing, you know, perfectly, as far as like, what are the things people don't see at 26, 28, whatever, that they need to know about, you know, when it comes to money, I assume it's what in us not I'm not asking you what you make, but salary base. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, all small college staffs are going to be made up of full time employees you know, that are exempt status and, and they're going to carry other duties um, in the department, most likely, right? You know, game management for a, a spring sport, if you're a football coach or, um, you know, being a liaison to another department on campus or, right, I, I co-teach a first year seminar class um, with my dean of students and, and five other coaches do that every fall, um, right? So these are unique kind of other duties as assigned. Um, on top of football and recruiting. And then you've got your part-time coaches that, you know, they've got a steady income over here, but right. So, you know, um, my offensive line coach uh, is in real estate and kind of, you know, land development and he's got his own company. And so he's got a little bit of flexibility um, to, to come over and, you know, pursue his passion. So he's got his career and he enjoys it and he's good at it, you know, but he's got this passion of football and coaching football and, and especially appeal you because he's an alum, um, you know, so I think in the part-time landscape, you, you're going to find your niches, right? It's harder for me to be able to employ a teacher part-time as a coach because we're a morning practice team. When we made that move, I, I lost two good coaches because they couldn't make that work. And I, I hated it because I, I love those guys and they did a great job, but I also said, all right, when I, when I took this job, you know, I wanted morning practices before I ever got to know these guys. So you know, my commitment is to structuring the, the program this way. Um, so yeah, so for my sake, it's just people with some flexibility in their jobs or they're retired. My tight ends coach is, you know, a retired high school coach of 40 or 35 years as a head coach. You know, he's going into his 47th or 48th season. So to be able to have a part-time coach with 33 decades of head coaching experience and almost five decades of coaching experiences, it's just a steal. Yeah. And then, and then volunteer coaches occasionally, you know, I, I get a guy that comes and says, Hey, uh, I'm interested, you know, do you have anything? And, and I'm, uh, to a, a fault sometimes, I don't think you're going to have enough good people around you. So I always stop and go, okay, I don't have something, but 
is there something that they could fill that would help them develop and also provide a value to our program? Um, and if that's a yes on both accounts, then then we find a way to make it work if that's something that they can swing. Like, I'm just thinking like someone like a nutritionist or maybe someone who deals with wellness and meditation or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and even just, uh, you know, a lot of times it's coaches, guys who want to want to get, you know, experience coaching and, and right that we've talked about earlier that that's so valuable. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then su support staff, equipment manager, you know, um, uh, nutritionist. Yeah. Anything like that. I know um, kind of mindset development, uh, our offensive line uh, or one of our offensive line coaches is appeal. You grad you know, undergraduate degree in kinesiology, went to Western Washington, got his master's in applied sports psychology. He's a mental performance trainer um, or no master resilience trainer at JBLM. And and then he comes over and coaches football or vice versa, coaches football and then cuts out, you know, to make it to work on time. So, um, yeah, you know, any anytime you can you know, bring value in, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes you don't want to do it because you're not sure it can, you know, it will sustain, you know, multiple seasons. But at the end of the day, you know, I think if you can create uh, value and, and right, you know, it's a win-win for both parties, um, then, then the, the most important people win in the end, and that's our student athletes and their experience. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're watching Brent right now and listening and maybe money is an issue, like maybe you're, you're wanting to have more of it. Um, there are side hustles. There's, there's opportunities, I think, within the right structure to go do something different or, or to complement the income. So I think that's important for people to hear because, you know, some people, you know, want to do certain things, a certain lifestyle. And uh, I guess you could go big and try to go D1 or NFL and get crazy, you know, but I'm guessing that lifestyle would be very different as well. Yeah, when I was an assistant, when I was a defensive coordinator at my alma mater before taking this job, um, you know, I before we were or at one point our practice, you know, the first thing we had was 6.50 a.m. And so, you know, I also was a CrossFit level one instructor at a gym close by work. So I coached classes there that provided the free membership that I would go work out from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then have plenty of time to transition over to the the facility to get ready for practice, um, you know, and then we moved to being a 6 a.m. start, you know, meetings at six on the field at 650. And so then that kind of threw a wrench in that. So then I, you know, okay, well, am I going to work out before 6 a.m. still, you know, then it ended up being like 430 to 530 a.m., you know, getting workouts in on my own, um, but also, you know, started a, a like a running training, you know, endurance running, right. So it's kind of not very common, right? For a football coach to be, you know, doing skill development and and program training for endurance, um, people wanting to get into endurance and kind of uh, supplement. Anyway, so yeah, so those are some of the side hustles, if you will, you know, just to um, uh, provide some some more financial uh, breathing room. No, I love it. I mean, it's, it's something to consider. So as we wind this down, um, Curious, I asked this question, if you football was off the table coaching, right? Um, not from a practicality standpoint, but is there a dream job that you have? Like, and I, it's always interesting to hear what people, you know, if they could do anything, you know, and so I'm just going to take football coaching off the table. Is there something that you would love to do? Um, if it was starting from this point right now, I would say, um, and this is something, right, that I, none of us knew was a possibility um, when, you know, we were younger, but pretty much the, you know, these social media influencers that just travel, 
like, holy smokes, like if I could just travel the world, video it, put it up on the internet for other people to see and like, and, you know, um, yeah, travel is something that I've, uh, my wife and I have uh, started to do a little more since COVID. I mean, we were never would have thought of ourselves as camping people, didn't grow up camping um, and got a, a small tent trailer during COVID just because we're like, we got to get out of the house. And um, yeah, and then upgraded that into a 21 foot camper and actually just got back on Saturday from a 16 day road trip, you know, five days down to Texas, spent some time with family and then six days coming back. Um, so it was quite the experience. So I'd say if I had to transition from right now, it'd probably be something, you know, that had to do with travel and still making money. But um, if you would have asked me when I was younger, um, probably in middle school, if you would have said, Hey, sports is off the table. Um, I'm not, I'm not a musician. I'm not good at singing. Um, I'm kind of tone deaf, um, but, uh, acting or dancing like legitimately and, and dance only came because, uh, or the, the interest in dance and don't get me wrong. I'm not good at, at any of these things I'm talking about right now. Um, but, uh, my dad took ballet in college and he's like, yeah, you know, it's like really good, you know, for my flexibility. And he's like, and I got to meet a lot of girls. And, uh, and so I took ballet with the, so that head coach at Trinity, that I was telling you about who went on and played nine years in the NFL spring of his senior year, which was spring of my freshman year, I took ballet with him and I couldn't touch my toes prior. And, and, you know, I could after that class, um, but something in the performing arts, if you will, I, I, I enjoy uh, I'm I kind of a creative brain. Um, and like the, I think the series, so you think you can dance is one of the greatest reality television series ever, you know, just the technicality and then having to be well-versed and you come in as a, an expert in one niche and then you have to get outside of your comfort zone and, and learn something else and show some proficiency in it anyways. Yeah. So, and then my two kids are super, super dramatic and every time i catch them being just off the wall absurdly melodramatic i'm like hey stop do you realize what you're doing there and they're like what i'm like you're acting and this is a gift you have that you need and they're like no 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 so i'm trying not to push it on them too much because i'm i don't push anything on them you know i'm like hey what's your interest and you need to go practice some sort of discipline um anyway so hopefully at some point i can get one of them if not both of them into theater because um I think they could they could probably make a lot of money doing it because yeah they're, they're very they've they've got it in their genes they're they're pretty pretty theatrical. I love that you're as a football coach. I, I think it's really cool as a parent to try to support because I think there's a lot of voices in kids' heads about being doctors or lawyers or going to Wall Street, and you know that's what this whole podcast is about is finding your genius zone, and that's the stuff that you naturally gravitate towards. Like you know you're talking about performance. My dad played football at Florida State was a quarterback uh too slow so they moved him to fullback because he was a big guy and then too slow for that they moved him to the offensive line and then they ended up nicknaming him slow motion uh was his nickname but he roommate he was roommates with burt reynolds oh wow and, and i you know not for a, a long time but they got they hung out they went out and partied and that was right when burt was getting involved with acting so here burt was a pretty good decent football player but he, he started getting involved with that whole acting and drama crew. And uh, it's not really what you think of in football players, which is part of the reason I love asking is because you might be surprised, you know, someone you think they're all football and tough and whatever, but then they've got this dancing or ballet appetite. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, I, you know, so is there anything, Oh, I did have one football question for you and then two more questions. 
Yeah. One is as a coach, like I, I even experienced this because I played, I had a, a, a feel for the game. Like sometimes instinctually I did things, you know, like, like that's what with kids, that's what I wanted to get into their heads. Cause sometimes when you see a kid get it and all of a sudden they do something that's just kind of abnormal, not like they're breaking rules, but they're kind of leaning into who they are and then they're leveraging, you know, something that's special about them. That was what I loved about coaching. But as a coach, do you ever get into situations where you have a, a different blueprint, like the friction between maybe the style of offense you want to run or the style of defense or, you know, a running versus a passing? Like, is that something that is an issue or do you just set the tone early? In terms of like being rigid and how, how you do it or how you expect people to do it? Yeah, like your last coach, I forgot his name, but he was, I think, one of the most successful football coaches ever, right, at PLU? Yeah, so Frosty Westring was here for 32 seasons, um, College Football Hall of Fame, and then his um, son, Scott, who played for him, coached for him, was here for 14 seasons. And and so, yeah, you know, I guess um, very different approaches uh, in kind of the X's and O's, um, both very successful in, in the X's and O's, and, and so... Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, part of it is right. You know, the X's and O's that, that I bring to the table are, are, they're going to be different. Right. And and I think even with just the leadership style in general, it's, you know, you gotta be true to yourself. What do you know? What are you confident in? Um, and then I think, you know, uh, in terms of the expectations of players, right. I, I think, uh, a common flaw is overcoaching, right. Or overleading, you know, and, and uh, not, you know, letting people, um, giving them the space to to flourish. And so, you know, I think that that's something that I learned, um, right? I came back from being a coordinator at a school and to being an assistant at my alma mater and and the defensive coordinator that I I coached with for a year prior to, to going, you know, um, and then we uh, coached together for a year uh, and I was under him and then he coached for me uh, for four years. Um, but when I got a chance to um, coach for him, you know, he had me on the board explaining something and he's like, and I, I was super detailed all the way down to, and he's like, no, 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 back up three steps. And at that point, you just tell him, make a play, just, just make a play. And it was like, you know, don't overcoach him. Right. Cause as soon as you, you give him more things to mess up, you know, it's going to slow his brain down. That's going to slow his feet down. And so I think the that that can apply in leadership as well. Yeah, some people are going to need a little more guidance, but at the end of the day, I think you're looking for qualities and then you give them the ability to take ownership because anytime you've got ownership, you're going to get a better product out of them. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think the answer is it. I was just thinking about a, a person that's interested and they have a strong opinion on a certain way to play the game, but you might come to say PLU and, and Brant has a different way uh or someone else is calling the shots i think you just have to maybe have a little bit of flexibility uh Mm -hmm. and and it might not go the way you want it to go right because people get opinionated about how to play the game and and not everybody you can't play it you know a zillion different ways usually there's some consistency yeah yeah so yeah so as a as a a young or getting into it kind of a um younger coaches or entry-level coaches yeah 100 percent. what you're doing is you know, you're, you're keeping tabs of what you like and what you don't like, you know? And so it could be the X's and O's you like, but the leadership style you don't like, it could be the X's and O's you don't like, but the leadership style you do like, you know, from that experience, from that, that season or that, that stop. 
Got it. Anything before we end this, any last piece of advice that um, imagine, imagine the kid who successful player loves it, um, thinks they would be a really good coach, uh, but maybe their parents or friends are pushing them a different way. Is there something that you might give them in terms of advice just to kind of, you know, hopefully send them in the right direction? Yeah, um, I, I recited it earlier, but the 26 words, I think um, my transformational purpose statement was because I had a, a coach say, hey, you should define your why. Like, why are you doing this? Why do you wake up every morning and pursue, you know, coaching? And and um, and so I think defining, you know, uh, the why uh, either, you know, super detailed or just in general and and then also having the grace to know that that'll change, you know, um, in different seasons of life. Um, I think that's really important. And then also, right, I think it's the balance. Um, I talked about kind of ego and humility. Like, yeah, come in with an opinion, but but don't come in, you know, unwilling to to grow and learn. You know, you you you've seen it done a certain way, and then yeah, you know, you got to have a certain level of humility and then work ethic at the end of the day. You know, if it's something you really want, then then work at it harder than anyone else, you know, the in, in eyesight. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, I just recently my daughter's uh, boyfriend got a, a ride, full ride to Wazoo. He's a junior. He'll be a senior next year. Nice. And and one of the things he said that really stuck out is the bond with the coaches for mm -hmm. him personally. And I'm just listening to you and I'm, I, I can only imagine that's one of your advantages because I mean, the fact you called me about my son's food allergies and uh, I, I would assume this serves you very well. And I, I, I can see why you're so successful. So uh, I really do appreciate your time, Brant. Um, I'm going to end this. Anything else you want to say? Or are you good? No, man, I'm great. Uh, I appreciate you uh, for I, uh, podcasting would be one of the other things that I, I think would be so cool. Um, but yeah, because it's at the end of the day, man, you're just asking questions and, and uh, you know, peeling back layers uh, for people, you know, where you, you don't normally get to see inside certain things. So, uh, appreciate you for, for what you're doing here. Oh, I love it. I'm curious. I love football. So this one was really fun for me. Um, uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, interesting to hear people's stories. I think, uh, we can learn a lot from people like you. So thank you. Thanks. Appreciate you, Dirk. All right, man.